Chronicles Revisited Podcast, Episode 13, Greed is the Key Word, the Mattel Electronics Horse Race Analyzer. Welcome to the Chronicles Revisited Podcast. I'm S.M. Oliva. I write the blog Computer Chronicles Revisited, which reviews the people, products, and companies featured on the PBS series that aired between 1983 and 2002. In this podcast, I go in-depth on stories that I've previously featured on the blog. For this episode, I'm looking at the Mattel Electronics Horse Race Analyzer, a product released in 1980 by Mattel, the company best known for its Barbie line of dolls. The Horse Race Analyzer only made a brief appearance on a March 1987 Computer Chronicles episode. Stuart Chaffee customarily introduced the program by showing his co-host, in this case George Morrow, an item that fit with that episode's theme. This particular episode was about computers and gambling, and Chaffee used the Horse Race Analyzer, which he never actually identified by name, as an early example of how computers were used to help people bet on sports. Well, George, you got kind of interested down there at the racetrack, so I got a daily racing form uh -huh. here, and this little computer. I enter all the data here from the racing form into the computer, and the computer predicts which horses are most likely to win the race. And we'll see if it works. Seems to me using a computer to figure out which horse is going to win a race is really the same thing as using a computer to figure out, say, which stock is going to win on Wall Street. I think you're right, Stuart. People that do this for a living, uh, that give you odds on horses, are handicappers. Mm -hmm. People that uh, do the same thing this, or advise you about stocks, I think they admit, admit to handicapping <laughs> a stock. So here, computers are helping you form judgments. They're an analytical tool. Mm -hmm. There's another aspect of gambling, which is the chance part of it. And there, in games of pure chance, I think computers are being used to help you entertain yourself as you put your money in these machines. By the time this episode aired, Mattel Electronics had been shuttered for nearly three years, a casualty of the 1983 collapse of the North American home video game console market. The horse race analyzer itself was barely a footnote in the history of Mattel Electronics. But the device continued to enjoy life after Mattel thanks to the efforts of one of its creators. Mattel Incorporated began in 1945, when spouses Isidore and Ruth Handler and their friend Harold Matson formed a small business in Los Angeles to build and sell picture frames. Matson was known as Matt, and Isidore Handler went by his middle name of Elliot, so they named their company Mattel as a portmanteau. After Mattel shifted to toys and launched Barbie in 1959, the company quickly became the number one toy company in the world. The Handlers took the company public in 1963. Matson being long out of the picture at this point. Then in one of the great recurring storylines of late 20th century business, Mattel proceeded to conglomerate, aggressively growing through a series of acquisitions, most of which had nothing to do with the company's core competency in toys. Eventually, this conglomeration scheme collapsed. As Mattel's losses related to its acquisitions mounted, the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission accused the handlers and other senior Mattel executives of falsifying business records and financial statements. The SEC eventually forced the handlers out of Mattel altogether in 1975. Arthur Speer, who was named president and CEO in 1973, was then left to rebuild the company. It was during this rebuilding process that Mattel Electronics was born. In his 2019 book on the early days of the video game industry, They Create Worlds, historian Alex Smith explained that Ray Wagner, the head of Mattel Toys under Spear, 
hired a number of new managers out of the traditional packaged good business to help jumpstart the company's product development and marketing. One of those new hires, Michael Katz, took over new product category marketing. According to Smith, games were traditionally a weak spot for Mattel. And since pocket calculators were all the rage in the mid-1970s, Katz pushed Mattel to develop a line of calculator-sized games based on LED technology. The first of these games came out in 1977 under the label of Mattel Electronics. These first handheld games, based on popular sports like American football and basketball, were a hit. Bolstered by that success, Mattel began work on a programmable home video game console, the Mattel Intellivision, which would debut in 1979. At the end of 1978, Mattel Electronics became its own division within Mattel Toys, with a former Nabisco marketing executive, Jeffrey Rockless, taking on the position of president. So how did the horse race analyzer fit into Mattel Electronics? The product that Stuart Chaffee described was not a handheld game. It was essentially a novelty calculator that promised to project the top finishers in real-life horse races using statistics from the daily racing form, a popular tabloid covering the industry. Obviously, this was a product squarely targeting adults and not Mattel's traditional audience of children. As president of Mattel Electronics, Jeffrey Rockless gave the green light to the horse race analyzer sometime in 1978. The project originated with a Mattel consultant, Evan W. Mandel. Mandel, who went by Bill, spent most of his career at Revlon Incorporated, a cosmetics company founded in 1932 by Charles Lockman and brothers Charles and Joseph Revson. Charles Revson dominated Revlon as its CEO until his death in 1975. And during his 43-year tenure, Revson was by all accounts a dictator who routinely bullied, humiliated, and fired subordinates who challenged his authority. That included Mandel, who at one point was considered by many Revson's heir apparent. Mandel started with Revlon in 1955 as an advertising manager, where he helped push the company into television as that emerged as a new medium for marketing consumer products. By the late 1960s, Mandel was Revlon's executive vice president in charge of marketing. But working under Charles Revson took an enormous toll. Andrew Tobias, who wrote the definitive biography of Revson after his death, said that Mandel would start shaking on Sunday afternoons in preparation for Monday morning management meetings with Revson. And at one meeting, Mandel actually passed out after a heated lashing from his boss. Revson ultimately shuffled off Mandel to a make-work position as president of a newly created subsidiary called Revlon Development Corporation. Once Mandel's stock options in the parent company vested, however, he departed Revlon for good in 1972. Just 45 at the time, Mandel was a multi-millionaire and effectively retired, although he continued to work as a New York-based consultant for a number of companies, including Mattel. I don't know the specifics of how or why Mandel joined Mattel, but he was widely considered one of the country's top marketing minds, so it made sense for Art Spear and his team to recruit Mandel into their brain trust as Mattel looked to enter new consumer product markets. One of the few sources on Mandel's time at Mattel was Maurice Zolito, a writer mostly associated with Hollywood biographies. In his 1983 book, Confessions of a Racetrack Fiend, Zolito described Mandel as a passionate horse player. So passionate, in fact, that he would often spend an hour or more analyzing an upcoming race before placing a bet. 
And when the first fully assembled commercial microcomputers came along in 1977, Mandel purchased an Apple II to help him with his analysis. At some point in late 1977 or early 1978, Mandel pitched Jeffrey Rockless on the idea of developing a dedicated race handicapping computer under the Mattel Electronics brand. Now, this idea wasn't as unique for the time as you might think. There were at least two other handicapping calculators on the market in 1978. The first was the Calco class computer, manufactured by New York-based APF Electronics. The Calco actually started out as a slide rule developed by A. Stuart Kelsey in 1969. In 1977, Kelsey worked with businessman Armand Canella to convert the slide rule into a handheld computer based on a Texas Instruments TMS-1100 microprocessor. A second 1978 product was the Racetrack computer, which also was a calculator-style device distributed by Starshine Group, a California-based importer of Asian electronics. Whether Bill Mandel knew about these other products is unknown. But it is worth noting that the final design for the horse race analyzer used the same Texas Instruments microprocessor as the Calco. The programming, however, was quite different. Mandel worked with Dr. William L. Quirin, an associate professor of mathematics and computer science at Adelphi University in New York, to develop the horse racing algorithm for the Mattel product. Quirin started using a computer at Adelphi to analyze the results of turf races starting around 1971. By 1979, he published a book, Winning at the Races, Computer Discoveries in Thoroughbred Handicapping. Quirin's research examined how the results of past races could be used to predict the likely winners of future races. Quirin himself acknowledged the limitations of his methodology. For example, his computer analysis could not account for the skills of a particular horse trainer. Nevertheless, Quirin was one of the few, if not the only, academic scientists conducting research in this area. This made Quirin a perfect partner for Bill Mandel's handicapping computer project. The two men worked together and turned Quirin's theories into a program that fit on the TI calculator chip. And by the end of 1979, they had a working prototype. Mattel's Ted Mayer, who created the design for the Intellivision and worked on the original He-Man and the Masters of the Universe toy line, developed the case. Mattel first publicly unveiled the horse race analyzer at the January 1980 Consumer Electronics Show in Las Vegas. According to Maurice Zolito, only a mock-up was shown at CES, and Mattel did not make any demonstration units available to the public. Nevertheless, Mattel Electronics Management was already optimistic about the prospects for its newest handheld, which they hoped to sell at retail for $100, nearly four times the average going price of a typical Mattel Electronics game at that time. Jeffrey Rockless told one newspaper in February 1980, The horse race analyzer was tested on more than 500 races at various tracks. The top three picks finished win, place, or show 57% of the time. That's a pretty good record. Rockless further claimed that if a better followed the analyzer's recommendations, they could see a 15-16% to 16 net return, which he said was better than U.S. Treasury bills. Ultimately, Rockless said that when it came to selling the horse race analyzer, greed is the key word. Rockless saying the quiet part out loud prompted another Mattel official to clarify to the press that the company was absolutely not promoting the horse race analyzer as a get-rich-quick scheme, nor was it a gambling device, something that was illegal in many states. 
That said, Mattel's advertising throughout 1980 for the Analyzer continued to follow Rockless's lead in touting the device's results in real-world testing. Mattel had hired an outside research firm, the Nationwide Consumer Testing Institute, to test the horse race analyzer using data from 1,000 races across the United States. At this point, I'll briefly explain how the horse race analyzer worked. The device itself was basically a 32-button battery-operated calculator with a small LCD screen. For a given horse race, the user had to manually enter 31 pieces of data taken from the daily racing form, including the purse and distance of the race, and individual statistics for all of the participating horses, such as the number of days since the horses last raced, their post position, the horse's two-year performance record, and speed ratings. This process generally took between 15 and 20 minutes, according to the manual. The computer would then take all of this data and display the four best choices for that particular race. According to Mattel, NCTI's testing found that in 1,000 races, one of the three highest rated choices produced by the analyzer finished in the money, first, second, or third, about 90% of the time. In 51% of races, the highest rated horse finished in the money. And in 221 of 1,000 races, the analyzer picked the outright winner. These results failed to impress Andrew Beyer, the longtime horse racing columnist and handicapping expert for the Washington Post. In an August 1980 column, Beyer said Mattel Electronics was little better than a small-time hustler trying to make a fast buck for themselves. He noted that the horse race analyzer's ability to pick winners 22% of the time, based on the NCTI test, paled in comparison to simply betting on the favorites, who won about 33% of the time. A more significant measure of the analyzer's ability, Beyer said, would be the net profit or loss from a $2 win bet on all of the analyzer's selections. But Mattel never released that data. Instead, it offered what Bayard called meaningless figures, like picking the top three horses 90% of the time. For what it's worth, Maurice Zolito wrote that when he tested a pre-release unit that he obtained by nagging Jeffrey Rockless, he won $156 over the course of seven races on one day, with the analyzer picking four winners. Another reviewer, Stephen Sansweet of the Wall Street Journal, said that in his own field testing, the analyzer actually beat Mattel's projections, with one of the machine's three highest-rated horses finishing first in six out of seven races. Both Sansweet and Zotolo noted the amount of time it took to actually enter data between races made the analyzer somewhat impractical for use at the track. Sansweet said it took him 50 minutes on his first try to enter information on the 11 horses in the first race. And this was only made more difficult by trying to use the calculator at a noisy racetrack full of distractions. Sansweet also explained that the analyzer didn't even work for every race on his card that day. Two of the races featured maidens, that is, horses that had not previously won a race. There was insufficient data with maiden horses for the analyzer's program to actually work. Despite Sansweet's caveats, Mattel Electronics eagerly touted his review as an endorsement in newspaper advertising heading into the 1980 holiday season. The horse race analyzer started selling at retail sometime around July 1980. The retail prices through the end of the year varied between $100 and $130, depending on the retailer. I couldn't find sales figures for the horse race analyzer in any public records, but judging by the sharp drop in prices following that first holiday season, it's safe to say that consumer response was underwhelming. 
Ads from January of 1981 show stores cutting the price from $100 to $80 just two weeks into the new year. By mid-year, it was down to $60. In September 1981, one retailer was so desperate to get rid of its horse race analyzer stock that they were giving them away as free gifts with the purchase of a TI-99 4A home computer. And as the 1981 holiday season approached, the price had fallen to $30. A year later, some stores were still trying to dump stock for as little as $15. So, the horse race analyzer was not a smash success for Mattel Electronics. And by the 1982 holiday season, the company had no real interest in continuing to promote their expensive novelty calculator. Jeffrey Rockless, the product's main champion at the company, had left to join another startup. And at the end of 1982, the retail market for home video game consoles, including Mattel's and television, started to collapse. By mid-1983, Mattel Electronics was laying off staff after the parent company reported a $100 million loss, most of which was due to the in-progress video game crash. In February 1984, Mattel closed its electronics division for good. But that was not the end of the horse race analyzer. It found a second life thanks to its co-creator, Bill Mandel. He purchased the rights to the device back from Mattel. I couldn't find any specific details about what Mandel paid. However, in 1983, he created a new company in Connecticut called Advanced Handicapping Technologies Incorporated. This company continued to manufacture and sell what was now stripped of Mattel branding and just called the Thoroughbred Horse Race Analyzer. As best I can tell, Mandel's company sold the analyzer primarily through the Sharper Image catalog, which listed it for a price of $69.50 plus $3.50 shipping in 1988. Sharper Image continued selling the analyzer through the mid-1990s, although I could not determine an exact date when sales stopped. The U.S. Patent and Trademark Office canceled the horse race analyzer trademark in January of 2003. Bill Mandel passed away later that same year, and Advanced Handicapping Technologies dissolved in November 2004. And that's all for this episode of the Chronicles Revisited podcast. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to learn more about the topics discussed in today's episode, there are links in the show notes. You can also visit my website, Computer Chronicles Revisited, at smoliva.blog. That's S-M-O-L-I-V-A dot blog, which contains full episode recaps and analysis. In the next episode, we'll celebrate the 40th anniversary of Computer Chronicles by taking a look back at the show's first episode, and the first product ever demonstrated on air, the HP 150 personal computer. Talk to you then.